Welcome to another episode about NIST 2. This time from an attorney's perspective. How are hotels affected? What can you expect? A boring topic or not? Welcome to Never Check Out. We welcome Rosalie Brandt in our studio. Rosalie is a lawyer at Kennedy van der Laan. Rosalie, what's so appealing about your job? Oh, I love my job. It's exciting. Uh, cybersecurity, very hot topic, of course, uh, for everybody. Um, well, I think a, not a day goes by and not a new hack is in the news. Um, and that's where I come in. For all the hacks? Well, not all of them, but <laughs> a lot. Yes. A lot of them. A lot of them. Yes. Okay. So what uh, me and my team do is help companies uh, or other organizations with their cybersecurity uh, from the point uh, before preparing for your cybersecurity, and if something goes wrong, uh, we help them. We work closely together with all kinds of uh, cybersecurity experts. Um, so they do the technical side, and we do the legal side, communications, uh, organization, policies, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You partner a lot with insurance companies, uh, I think, then? Insurance companies also, yes, yes. Uh, there are a lot of cybersecurity uh, uh, insurance available, mm -hmm. um, and they offer panels. Uh, and then if you have an incident, uh, the partners on that panel, us from the legal side mm -hmm. and cybersecurity companies from the IT side will uh, be contacted to help you out in your incident. Okay. That's uh, what we do. And are you involved up front as well to, to prevent or? As much as possible, though not as much as I would like still. Okay. <laughs> we do still see a lot of companies uh, uh, insufficiently prepared uh, for a cyber incident or having their cybersecurity, uh, well, where it should be. Unfortunately. Uh, what's your role there? I mean, would companies uh, write you directly or does it go through a, through a consultancy company? How does that work if, if they need to know more? Uh, it's very different. Uh, sometimes it comes up in their GDPR compliance program and okay. we'll take it from there. Or they contact us directly for specifically the cybersecurity part. It's of course very closely related, mm -hmm. the protection of personal data and protection of your data in general, for instance. Right. So that's, uh, that's where it comes from. That's yeah. the route to go. Okay. Yeah. And this too, we hear a lot about that, the change of the, of the European law. Yeah. Um, still not set in stone and, uh, and still being, well, I think, put together in the Netherlands. Yeah. What can you talk, uh, what, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, it's good to realize that the NIST 2 is a European directive. Yes. So that means it's uh, uh, created on European level and then each member state has to implement it in local law. Right. Other than, for instance, GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, which works directly into national law. Um, so we're at the stage where the directive is set, so we know what's happening there, mm -hmm. uh, but we don't know yet how it's going to be, be implemented in the Netherlands. Uh, they're working on that. Uh, NIS 2 is, well, what's in a name, following on NIS 1. Mm -hmm. uh, so we already have implementing law at this moment for NIS 1. Yep. And that will probably be adapted to the new obligations in, uh, in NIS 2. But how that's going to look exactly, we don't know yet. Okay. Yep. Okay. And how does it influence, do we know how it would influence hotels? Um, well, in any case, NIS 2 actually uh, a lot um, expands on the scope mm -hmm. uh, of what is covered by this directive. Um, uh, so you're going to notice it. One of the important uh, aspects in NIS 2 and what's going to be part of our national law mm -hmm. is that it um, has an effect where other parties in the chain also need to make sure that they're compliant with what's in this too. So even though you're not directly affected mm -hmm. uh, or 
don't fall within the scope of NIST2 directly, you'll still notice it due to your chain partners. Um, in case of hotels, for instance, their IT providers. Mm -hmm. They'll be covered by NIST2, okay. and they have the obligation to also make sure that anyone that they work with uh, has at least sufficient cybersecurity in place. Um, what that is, what that looks like, really differs per uh, organization. If you have a big hotel chain, that's going to look very different. They have a lot more data, uh, probably working together on a, a international level, worldwide probably. Uh, and if you have a local BNB uh, uh, in, running in the family with only uh, your email is the only digital part and you check right. it once a week, you'll probably have a lower standard of cybersecurity yeah, and that's imagine. fine. Yeah. Okay. And, and companies like Bookings.com and uh, the booking agencies, are they involved? Yeah. yeah, they're definitely involved and we're already seeing under the current directive that uh, they're looking to expand the scope uh, already mm -hmm. uh, to um, MSPs, SaaS applications. Um, it's uh, The uh, authorities are already looking where do we actually draw the line and they're broadening that a bit. Okay. Uh, that's going to be the case in any case under NIST2. So I think it's a good development already uh, for companies to start anticipating on that. And even if you don't fall directly under the NIST2, it is something to look at as a source of inspiration on how you should be doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, because NIST2, of course, aims to get to ensure that the vital industry or vital parts mm -hmm. of our economy uh, stay safe. But that doesn't mean that the rest shouldn't be safe. Right. So this is the bar that we set for those, specifically that field, and we enforce it because otherwise we have a very big problem. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, uh, for the companies themselves, they have a big problem if they are attacked for whatever reason. So they should, well should, I would advise them to take inspiration from that law, yeah. seeing what do we expect at this time, uh, especially because cybersecurity develops so quickly. Mm -hmm. Take learning from that, use it as inspiration for your own uh, cybersecurity program. Yeah, makes sense. What if they are dealing with managed service providers? I mean, a managed service provider, I think, yeah. is actually under the NIS2 yeah. regulations in, yeah. in the future. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if there's an issue at one of the hotels and MSP is taking care of, of that hotel, will the hotel be responsible or the, or the MSP or both? It depends on uh, responsible for what. Um, the MSP is responsible for compliance with the NIS2 because they felt under mm -hmm. at least the national implementation thereof, right. because they uh, fall within the scope of that regulation or uh, piece of law. Uh, nonetheless, uh, the hotel in question is responsible for their own cybersecurity, mm -hmm. whether that's because they fall under cybersecurity uh, legislation or, for instance, GDPR, which also contains obligations for mm -hmm. uh, uh, protecting data that you have. And their hotel, uh, the entire hotel industry runs on personal data, so they're right always uh, connected to that legislation and uh, the GDPR contains an article saying that you have to uh, implement appropriate security measures, saying it very plainly, mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't expand on that, it doesn't explain what that is. And that's what I meant with inspiration from the NIST2. Uh, there it's actually explained, it's the same definition, mm -hmm. uh, they use the same um, explanation of security measures and what you should take into account, but they go further and they explain what that should entail. Take inspiration from that for your own cybersecurity program. Right. So you get a feeling of what you need to do under GDPR uh, as well. Uh, so for hotels, they'll be responsible for that part, for their own territory, you know, th their own mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, business. Uh, MSP is for their own business also. But what you'll see, as I expect, for MSPs is mm -hmm. that they're going to be more strict towards their clients. Right. 
because if you have one weak link, one hotel that's vulnerable because they don't have their cybersecurity in order, that might ha have a very big impact on other customers also, because right. if that is the source where they come in, mm -hmm. they are in big trouble. We've seen it a uh, while back with a number of housing associations. Yep. Uh, they were all uh, out of uh, commission for a little while uh, because they're actually their MSP was uh, affected by an attack. Uh, they were down, which mm -hmm. caused everybody to be down. Right. Um, if that comes through one hotel, well, it's going to be a tricky, yeah. tricky situation. Yeah, I can imagine. So you mentioned GDPR is is a, a EU law. Yeah. And uh, NIS two is a directive. Mm. Do you know why they chose to do it differently then this time? Uh, no, I'm not sure uh, what the reason is behind that. Um, uh, it's it, it has a good aspect in the sense that. Um, you can adapt it to le uh, le uh, local legislation uh, mm. for the uh, NIS2. So it, it can be more tailored to what you need locally. Uh, for the GDPR, uh, what we've seen is also it took a very long time before it, it came uh, into force. Um, yeah. And we've seen uh, for the cookie legislation, the e-telecom sector, mm -hmm. uh, they're still working on a regulation there. So the GDPR version, the one mm -hmm. that works directly, uh, it was supposed to be uh, in effect, simultaneously with the GDPR, okay. it's still not done. Mm -hmm. uh, GDPR is about five years old. Um, so that gives a scope of how long it takes to make that kind of European legislation. Yeah. Um, and my feeling is that a directive is a bit easier because uh, it gives more room for local, uh, for the uh, member states to adapt to local situations. So they'll be on European level, pushing less uh, mm. because they have some more freedom uh, once it's uh, once it's there. You think it will be easier to mandate then as well by the government? Governance, sorry. Because what you see now is um, with GDPR, with the implementation of GDPR, everybody was afraid of what's going to happen, and basically for a lot of hotels, nothing happened, right? Yeah. I mean, we saw one case with Booking.com, I think, um, and one with Marriott, but not a lot on the other uh, brands or, or the local hotels. Yeah. Do you think that will be the same for NAS2? Um, not necessarily so, because a lot uh, the enforcement is relatively low by our Dutch Data Protection Authority, but that's also due to budget restrictions. Mm. These are different authorities uh, who may have a different approach to that. Uh, so it's not necessarily so that the enforcement of the local implementation of NIS2 mm -hmm. uh, may be as low profile. Uh, of course, the hotels don't fall under directly under the NIS2, so mm -hmm. perhaps they won't be forced, uh, won't be confronted with these specific authorities. Do keep in mind that the NIS2 does have the option for the authorities enforcing NIS2 or the local uh, implementation thereof mm -hmm. um, to notify the Dutch Data Protection Authority of any incident that they have received or ah. know of. Okay. And that might not have been notified to the Dutch Data Protection Authority. And that will be, well, a very easy case for the Dutch Data Protection Authority to enforce upon. So they're linked? Um, it, they have the option. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's one article in the in this two that allows for the authority to, well, tip off the uh, Dutch Data Protection okay. Authority. What's, so. the, what's the actual date that, that they're going to enforce uh, NIS2? Um, well, the NIS2 is actually there already, um, and I think it's somewhere in 2024 uh, that's going to start. But again, it, it doesn't enforce directly, okay. so we need to wait for the uh, local implementation. I know that they're working on the local implementation. But there's no deadline? or There is a deadline. I don't know by heart, okay. but um, it's, it's going somewhere to be next somewhere year. next year, <laughs> okay. uh, end of next year, I believe. Um, and, uh, uh, well, it, 
we need to see if they're going to be in time. Uh, I heard some uh, talk already that they're already working on the second update for, for the local law. So oh, okay. we're going to see what's going to happen. Um, but uh, it's good to prepare already because you do have from the NIST 2 quite a good Im indication of what's going, what you're going to face. And not only do the paper compliance, we see it a lot mm -hmm. with GDPR, they'll make all the documentation, yeah. put it in a drawer in the desk mm -hmm. and not look at it again. Um, with cybersecurity, that's even a bigger risk because a lot of cybersecurity is really uh, in how you handle things, both from a technical point mm -hmm. of view, have your technical measures in place, and have your organizational measures in place. Mm -hmm. the, the example of booking, that was really an organizational thing where they'll probably have a perfect uh, incident response plan ready. Mm -hmm. I'm sure of that, a company the size of booking, they'll have it. Yeah. But apparently the person who received the notification, hey, there's a breach, didn't know about it because mm -hmm. it was circling about two weeks within the company before it reached the correct department. That's the implementation part where it really went wrong. And yeah. well, I think rightly so, uh, the authority uh, was not very happy with that course of action. Um, so there you see uh, the paper compliance actually is not sufficient. You need to make sure that it's uh, correctly implemented in your company and that people know what to do and when to do it. So yeah. people practice your plans, please. Practice your plans, yeah. Practice your plans. Yeah, it, it always makes sense, right? You do the fire drill. Right. Um, that's not for nothing. Uh, we actually had a, a case where we had a real fire at our office, or at least uh, near to our office, and then it turned out that uh, the point where you need to gather, all of us, mm -hmm. was actually at the point where the fire was. So that shows that even though you can prepare for an incident, mm -hmm. something strange will come up. But everything went smoothly because we were all drilled to follow certain people out of the office. And right. once that, those people didn't go left but right, we just followed like sheep to right, and then everything turned out fine. Um, we're not always this cooperative, but in this instance, <laughs> Uh, if we wouldn't have done all those fire drills, it would have been chaos because right. nobody knew where to go because they read that they had to go there, but that was on fire and nobody knew what to do. Right. So that's really the benefit of exercising and uh, uh, well, practice with what you're supposed to be doing in yep. case of a crisis so that you're prepared for that point. Will be a big impact huh, to, to do the exercise. Uh, it's, it's, an afternoon can be sufficient. I mean, I'm not saying you have to uh, reenact a ransomware incident mm -hmm. and actually shut down the entire company for three weeks. Um, it's <laughs> a one afternoon tabletop exercise. It's a good start. Okay, cool. Yeah. So preparing. Uh, are we preparing? Are we looking at ISO 27001 then? Or what's the easiest way to prepare if, if we don't know the, the yeah. full law yet? Or does it make sense to talk to an uh, insurance company and, and ask them what they want to know? Uh, insurance company, well, we do see some um, requirements coming up regarding certifications mm -hmm. or other um, uh, documentation of your uh, compliance, or at least that you did something uh, in the field of cybersecurity. It's still in developing. Uh, there's no straightforward answer. Is your, if you're ISO certified, then you're done. Mm -hmm. uh, you can get ISO certified in a lot of different ways. Doesn't necessarily mean that you actually have everything in order. Uh, same goes the other way. Even though you don't have it, uh, the certification, you may be very well prepared. Mm. Uh, and as I explained earlier, it really depends on also your organization. If you're a very large company, you need to look at it differently than the family B&B &B, uh, somewhere in the middle of nowhere uh, with barely an internet connection. Mm. Um, so uh, there's a big difference there. So, so there's no one answer, uh, but engage experts. That's what I would say. I know they're costly. Uh, but it's it's worth the effort. 
because they can tell you. And also keep in mind that your IT provider may not necessarily be the one with the expertise right. on cybersecurity. They're right. very good at making IT infrastructures for you, mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily always very good at securing it as part of their services. Uh, so if you're not sure about it, um, then engage a specific cybersecurity company yep. to also look at from that point of view, from the attack point of view, and not just for your, uh, my, my office place works very good right. point of view. Because do you think it's, it's being used too commercially at the moment? Uh, the cybersecurity part too commercially? Um, oh, the, and I, the, the NIST 2 part? Uh, no, uh, not per se. I think it's good that the awareness is there. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, I think it's still insufficient, the awareness, to be honest, uh, especially for uh, organizations that don't fall directly under the scope. We heard a lot, oh, I'm out of scope. Well, then uh, I'm fine. I'm going to continue uh, as I'm here. Mm -hmm. um, That's what, what we hear a lot, by the way. Exactly. Uh, but what you need to realize is that this law wasn't made for nothing. Uh, there was, it, it's part of a big development that we see where cybersecurity becomes more and more important uh, each day and should be more top of mind. Um, and some sectors or some organizations, you see that indeed, and others, they fall behind. And those are the ones where all the, well, where I come in, mm. uh, because there's an incident. Right. Uh, so to protect yourself from that, and it can be quite easy, as in uh, if you have basic cyber hygiene, yeah. It already helps a lot. It's basically lock your bike better than the one on the, uh, from your neighbor, and then they'll pass along. They're opportunists. Yeah. Uh, so if you get those basic things in order, uh, it will help you prevent, or if you are attacked, then at least mm. mitigate damages. So stuff like have your backups in order. Uh, how many times I'm at an incident and the backups are also, um, well, true, yeah. using an ugly word. Uh, so that um, it, it's, it's a shame. Because it costs a lot of money. Because yeah. um, then the only option is to pay ransom or accept loss. Either way, yeah. it's not going to come back. You're not allowed to pay ransom. You are allowed to pay ransom. You are allowed. You are. It's not. You know, it's an ongoing discussion whether should it it should be pro uh, prohibited. But currently, the situation is that it's not prohibited, mm. and it may also be covered by your cybersecurity insurance. Okay. Uh, so that could also be a reason to take out such an insurance because, well, uh, it can be costly. Um, word of advice there, if you're hit by a ransomware attack, mm -hmm. engage a cybersecurity company uh, and don't try to pay yourself or contact them yourself. It's uh, uh, As a lawyer, I negotiate a lot, but I don't negotiate with the criminals. No, I leave that to the experts, yeah. um, the cybersecurity companies that are specialized in these kind of negotiations. Yeah. And always contact the police. Yeah, because so, it's a crime. It is a crime, uh, and they can use that information to actually interrupt uh, these kind of uh, activities. Yep. Uh, it was in the news, the Quackbot was... Uh, yeah, yep. exactly. And it's not the first time. Uh, so we see more and more uh, companies actually going to the police with their uh, cybercrime yep. being... Uh, and the police can actually take action on that. So it's a good development. So keep up the good work on that part. But, uh, well, I need to remind them often. <laughs> no, definitely. And I think it should be on the table of uh, the C-level people as well, right? Not definitely. just on the IT uh, guys. No. And it no. should be, uh, it's, it's, as, well, it's as important as running water, I guess. It is. It definitely is. Uh, and it's their responsibility. And that NIST 2 really puts the finger on that because they introduced uh, a lot of obligations also for C-level to educate themselves right. on this topic. Uh, and liability towards the sea level. So that also helps. Um, so that's a, a, a really a step forward there to get that into the boardroom. And from a practical point of view, it's 
nearly every incident that I come is where well, we were just rolling out this new patch or this new security yeah, measure or just yeah next week we're going to we're, we were going to implement the MFA yeah well too of late. course yeah always too late and yeah. uh, so uh, having that on that sea level and understanding the importance it would have been ruled out two months ago instead of next week oh. a week after it's the a incident personal liability right but uh, even so, it, I mean, that's just part of it. And we'll see how that works out in practice, mm. uh, of course. Uh, but there are also liability questions at the moment. Uh, we see in the Netherlands a few uh, litigation uh, going on already mm -hmm. uh, between uh, IT providers and their customers. Who's to blame for the incident? Uh, were security measures in order? Yes or no? What could have been expected there? Uh, so it's important to look, really look at that decide what you need and then if what's provided to you is sufficient and if you don't have the knowledge in-house then engage someone who does who can yeah. advise you on that Absolutely. Uh, because these discussions are really hardening and then what you're also having is the uh, what we call data subjects so the people who, whose personal data may be mm -hmm. affected and of course for hotels that can actually be a lot yeah. um, is that they are starting to uh, make claims also hyped by our data protection authority who actually at some point uh, told the public, go claim your damage as a data subject. That was not mm -hmm. a very helpful statement. Um, and then what you see is that they'll actually come and claim and that it will be 250 euros or something. So it's not, it's not sometimes not even worth responding to, but just giving them the money. But right. especially for hotels, if it's becoming 100,000 people right. asking that or class actions uh, that we see starting to come up. The American way or? The American way, yeah, we can do that now in the Netherlands also. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're, they're still, uh, it's still touchy-feely on how, how to do it, uh, but they're experimenting with it. Lawyers are jumping on it, of course. Um, so uh, we see that coming up also specifically in the uh, cybersecurity data breach field uh, to use that instrument. And then it's going to be very costly. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a, a bigger risk. Coming so we start preparing to wrap up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So, Rosalie, thank you for coming to the studio. It's been a great Pleasure. talk uh, for our viewers and listeners. I hope this was an inspiring session for you. Please subscribe to the podcast by clicking on the link. And remember, you can always check in, but never check out.